do it to the best of my ability because if I fail, that means I fail for my entire female nation, I call it. <laughs> is that possible? That was the question for myself. And it is absolutely possible. Good evening, America. Good middle of the day, Australia, and welcome to everyone listening across the planet. This is your host, Tony Londis, and this is the Everyday Business Show. Now, quick reminder, if you're listening in live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, the lovely Peo in the Philippines is ready and waiting to take your questions, comments, and provide you with links live on the show. If you want to watch this show or others like it, please jump on to Binge Networks TV where you'll find the Tony TV channel and also on any smart TV across the planet, you will find access to the Tony TV channel as well and you can catch up on anything from these shows and more by jumping on to TonyLontis.com clicking on the guest and you will find everything about our guests but we're going to talk about that all a little bit later now we've been doing this wonderful in um Welcome to country each year because it's an important part of Australia's recognition of the indigenous communities across the planet and particularly in the development of Australia's culture. I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region, the traditional owners of the land in which we meet and broadcast and pay my respect to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today and who are likely to be listening online. Now, our guest today is the gorgeous Kate Osborne from Coco Matrix. And Kate is a powerful businesswoman and I can't wait to introduce you to her today. But here's what you need to know before I do that. At the age of 27, Kate was poached from a flight centre to the world's largest business coaching company. There, she was one of only two women earning a professional income. Kate recognized that if she wanted to be a full-time mum on a full-time income, she needed to own a business. And this is where Coco Matrix started. The origins were from the University of Queensland psychology graduate and founder, Kate Osborne herself. And over the past decade... Uh, legal, marketing, finance, sales, HR, production and distribution specialists dug deep and collaboratively developed the hard questions needed to carefully address over 360 key business parameters within each of the primary 64 overlapping operational sectors of a business and put it all into an 8 by 8 matrix. This matrix, the Coco Matrix, has become one of the core foundations of Coco Matrix Quality Assurance Framework. The Coco Matrix Quality Assurance Framework ensures that you answer all these carefully crafted questions and they are identified, recorded and addressed efficiently and effectively 
by your highly trained leadership managers. The Coco Matrix creates successful, compassionate leaders and resilient organizations. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you, Tony. It sounds so different when you explain it. Interesting. I just I've never heard it explained like that. You need to come on on the road and and sell this for me. Obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that you know to me the the practical I've just jumped off a call with a, a group of business leaders that are growing at 300%. Now, wow. whilst they're growing at such a quick rate, they've had to dilute equity quickly. So I guess the easiest explanation of Cocoa Matrix is, you know, what the hell do we do next, Kate? Right? Mm -hmm. And so our sessions that we have in terms of leadership is, well, what's the next question that we should be answering to continue the growth but to bring on the right leaders at the right pace at the right time? And that's what Cocoa Matrix does. It eliminates conflict at that high-end collaborative space. And I have to say that I have known Kate for a while and been exposed to Coco Matrix um, a little bit. And the bit that I've seen is incredibly powerful. And um, I know that after we get off air, I have another conversation to have with Kate around this idea of rapidly growing business. But back to Kate. Now, Kate, you worked in the flight center environment. Can you tell the audience about that? Yeah, so I had um, I had my degree at the University of Queensland and went off travelling. And when I got home, I went back to UQ and just said, look, this has been my experience. I've been to 36 countries. I've had a, um, a sales background um, in retail management. And um, immediately she said, go straight to Flight Centre. You know, the founder is looking for people to put on a fast-track entrepreneurial program. So they had literally just um, gone back to the university to say, any alumni that you have, we need them. We need these strong leaders. So that was in 1995. Um, I was employed immediately and you had to you had to hit certain metrics to be considered on the program. And the metrics were very challenging. So one of them, one of, you know, you know, jumping over these hoops was really critical um, and there was a lot of females. There was a lot of non-binary um, individuals in that environment. Awesome. So, so that was just a fun playground to learn and that's, you know, my first impression of Flight Centre was sky's the limit. We are all on one team. We're all collaborating for the greater purpose. And so that was my induction into a, a business environment, uh, which was a healthy induction. Absolutely. Um, and you loved it in Flight Centre, but what was the catalyst that saw the shift from Flight Centre to having your own company and business? Yeah, well, you know, as many people will remember, the Twin Towers collapsing was a major event in our industry. So I had majority of my vision for my life was to work in the travel industry. At that stage, we had a $7 million turnover business with um, a team of nine um, and overnight, we recognised that, you know, with um, the terrorist activity that had happened, America, then we had um, 32 airlines collapse under the yeah, pressure. And then, we right. had, and then for those that don't remember, we had SARS, which was a precursor mm. to COVID. Mm. And so I had a client, which was a corporate client that were travelling um, around the world every six weeks, expanding their leadership and development um, coaching business. 
and um, the CFO, so the Chief Financial Officer, um, said, look, we can see female founders as the next mm. leadership frontier. We cannot attract females into our company. They had over 600 men. Um, they had one woman in Canada and one in New Zealand earning a professional income. And, um, you know, it, it was an interesting conversation and it was probably the only time my mind had been open. Um, yes. In my entire career, he he essentially sat in front of me and said, you write your own contract and I will pay it. And I had, I had this opportunity to really look at what did I want? What, you know, as a lot of women will know, you know, we, we've got to squeeze a lot into life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I had always wanted to be a mother at 30. And here I was having this thought at 27, I'm too old to learn anything new. And I can I can remember him saying, you know, Kate, this is a new frontier. And I thought, oh, you know what, you, wrong girl. I've already put five years into this industry. It's all I know. Um, and, and that's when it sort of hit me is, well, you know, other people must be feeling the same way. This disruption on the planet, what if mm. I really embrace it? I went and spoke to Screw Turner, who is the founder of Flight Centre. He said, Kate, what's the worst that can happen? Give it 12 months. If it doesn't work out, just come back. And so he really gave me this strong masculine leader that looked me in the eye and said, geez, it sounds like too good to be true. You know, what's what's the worst that can happen? So I wrote my own contract. I was um, bought on as a share owner in a global company and I ended up buying them out and I had my own territory within um, just on 18 months um, we had 90 clients, a team of 11 coaches, and we'd locked out Southeast Queensland as our as our territory. And I was the third most profitable franchisee in that organisation as a global trainer. I was training more people and really helping women to bring the heart centre and culture into business. And and that yes. was that was my superpower: bringing the psychology, the flight centre background into business, mm-hmm. and helping educate. Uh, men on on how powerful culture can be. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, that portion of work in the coaching and business development, did that lead to Coco Matrix? Was that the start? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, it was interesting. I was always uh, an innovator. If there was a problem, I was like a dog with a bone to find a solution. And so in that organisation, because there wasn't a lot of um, constraint, they were a very innovative group. Um, they just let me do whatever I wanted, Tony. Like I, oh. it was, if Kate says, fill in a survey, just fill in the survey, just do what she says. Um, and I had access to 10,000 businesses across uh, six different countries. So we could measure culturally uh, trends. We could solve problems internationally for for mm-hmm. business coaches, mm-hmm. and um, you, you know, I was very shocked and surprised that when I went into labour with my first child, they cut all my franchise agreements. <gasps> so that's that was um, now. So the birth of Coco Matrix. Now Ko yes. stands for Kent Osborne and Kate Osborne. So Coco, Ko Ko was was stemmed that's the first time my husband and I had real tension so yes. prior, prior to that I'd been making lots of money lots of commissions at flight center we traveled all around the world been to 51 countries you know life was great 
when I joined the business coaching community, we were doing more travel at a five-star level. Life was fabulous. Here I was, new baby, Mm. um, you know, saying, I beg your pardon, you mean your $10 million business is now worth not $10 million. And it was the first time that, you know, all of us have had our backs to the wall and you wouldn't be in business if you weren't resilient, right? Mm. So resiliency was a really important thing. Um, But my bugbear was that I did not see that coming. I didn't have any inclination to um, be sceptical that I wouldn't be nurtured and looked after during that vulnerable time in a woman's life. You can imagine at that stage it was 1,300 franchisees, you know, over 80% of them were male. And I felt that they were saying, what's little Miss Optimism going to do now? Like I really had this egoic you know, like they were out to get me. Why did this happen? And um, it forced me to say, you know what, I need legal advice. Mm -hmm. And so I sought um, a mentor in the legal space and it transformed my thinking. And that's the birthing of Cocoa Matrix was, you know what, never ever react to a situation. You, you need to be on the front foot and it is what it is, Kate. Like this is done. Your team are now in competition against you in the same market. So now you need to, you know, actually weigh up what is yours and what is theirs. And, you know, if professional mediation is what you need to go through, then it doesn't matter that you've just given birth and you don't know how to breastfeed. Mediation it is. That's the highest priority. And that's what happened to me. So, yeah, within six weeks of giving birth to my daughter, I was in um, professional mediation, trying to secure enough cash flow just to trade through. And my husband confronted me with the reality, which was we wanted a large family. And he said, whilst you have debt, there will be no more babies. Oh, Kate. So, you know, every now and again we get one thing crumble, but then the dream. things. The dream is challenged and that mm. was unacceptable to me. I just thought, mm. are you kidding? Like I did nothing wrong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we took him out of the workforce. My husband was a full-time dad mm. and I worked and worked and worked and I paid out every single person and I got pregnant and Joshua is 16 months younger than his sister, Michaela. Wow. So, you know, you've got to figure like to me, you know, Coco Matrix was I sought the right mentor, I had the right question to ask, I went into mediation alone, vulnerable, and I just shared my facts and I secured that cash flow. By the time we sold, we sold that business for a three times multiple. Good. You know, it it ended up, now in hindsight, I can say that happened for me. Not to me because just yeah. around the corner was the largest GFC the planet had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to report those coaches, the majority of them, not not only did they fail in business, a couple of them had to declare bankruptcy because without my support, they couldn't cope. And so, you know, sometimes we just have to just play it out Let long go. You know, yeah. play it out long enough. I didn't know why it was happening but when it happened, I, I didn't have time to think. I needed the question in the right sequence to look at how I could, A, protect my assets and, B, protect my heart mm. because that was worth protecting. If you're going to have a culture and business, then you have to be out there and share your stories vulnerably 
Mm. And I, in, I I built enough support that, um, yeah, upon sale, I, I could move my family to the Gold Coast, which for those of you that don't know, for me is heaven on earth. Um, it's a great place and, to live. Yeah, and my break-even was 90 minutes work per week. So I had to work an hour and a half a week to break even. I owned everything cash outright in my company because they cut those agreements. And I, you know, I couldn't see it at the time, but the benefit um, was the birthing of Coco Matrix and the ability to just teach other people that in times of trouble, you need strong leadership and clear guidance. Mm. And that's, that's where that was born from. So out of that time, Kate, when... <laughs> As a mother, I cannot quite get my head around uh, being in a legal mediation situation with a newborn that is, you're my hero in that space. Um, And I'm wondering at what time that thought bubble came about the matrix because this is a very innovative, creative piece of intellectual property that is incredibly valuable for all stages of business Mm. so was it a blip and then it's just no not at all it was a full collaborative process so right from that lawyer coming on board I said okay I will have you by my side in every transaction for life and Mm. I've honored that he has been with me the whole time Mm-hmm. Um, they started because they could see the benefit of the work I was doing. They were hosting some lunches and they had me bring my clients into the law firm. Mm-hmm. And so we identified three businesses that were scalable very obviously that we didn't know, you know, how to avoid these pitfalls. Now, one mm-hmm. gentleman was getting close to retirement age and he had an incredible intellectual property for reverse osmosis for water. Now, mm-hmm. yes. Water is an incredible asset and we knew that his business would be worth a lot of money if we could close and finish that business. The second Mm -hmm. one was uh, Entrepreneur of the Year with Telstra, Mm -hmm. one of the largest award winners, Jelaine D. She had a product. She she just secured contract with 90 Nordstrom stores in the US um, and she was supplying a product that was developed in China. So it, it got shipped from China straight to the US and she did not own that intellectual property. So we knew there would be some issues with that company as it scaled. And the third one was a, a young couple that very dear to my heart, Studio Pilates and Jade and Tanya. Jade's an Olympic swimmer. Tanya was a physio and they helped me to get pregnant in that what my doctors had said, unless you get your body fit, Kate, you can't get pregnant again. And yeah. so I've been, I've been visiting Tanya every, you know, three times a week so that my body could have three, four pregnancies. Um, and I love their product so much. I just was so invested and we wanted to scale their business. And using Coca Matrix, they've now got um, a vision for 2,000 locations. There's currently mm. at 65 locations around um, three different continents. Um, so, you know, we bought the team, we bought the clients together. I charged them a retainer and mm. that enabled me to get the best talent so I could go out and source you know, the best product specialists and the yeah. best controllers and the best, um, you know, HR culture people. And so we did an eight-week 
series where they presented the questions and it was actually our product specialist at the end of it he sent me an email he said imagine if you put the questions all together so it was his idea his idea and he um he was an employee at the time he didn't own his own business and it just sparked uh no one's ever done that before what would that look like and so over the next two years we kept tweaking and tweaking of how we could how we could create it and it has physically ended up as a board yes tiny bit it's a physical I know I love it it's a physical board with amazing prompting questions just like that that's it so we we take this board in we stick it in front of the founder and their team and we basically say to their team, if there was one problem right here, right where now, solving, where would it be? And we put the post-it notes on the board and it just exactly highlights the problem for the leader. So <clears throat> it's that collaboration that, you know, that's where it got sparked from. It was sparked from real solutions in the real world and um, they've just valued it at $2 million. The Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and the way that it actually helps businesses, and it doesn't, it's, it's not necessarily about small or big businesses. It's about finding solutions for whatever it is within that business that's not going right. So like the example you use, Kate, around scalability. Um, if a business is in a certain spot and they have an inkling that this might be scalable, then Coco Matrix can lead them in the direction to do that with pointers, I guess, is the best way to describe it from my perspective. Pointers is one way, but I think of a traffic light system. Like, oh, you, yeah. when it, to me, it was like um, legal red light, Kate. You are not a lawyer. You're not trained to think like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anything that crops up in the legal column, I'm incompetent. I'm also dispassionate and proud of it. Like, I, I'm not passionate about yeah, reading legal. Law every night, you know. Yeah. And it's the same thing when it comes to, you know, um, maybe finance that I see a lot of entrepreneurs mm. who don't know their numbers and they're not willing to have the hard conversations around their mm. break-evens and their numbers, mm. but they're excellent at product and selling and connecting and culture and delivering. Well, great. Mm. So it's pretty cheap to outsource a lawyer and an accountant. It's it's yeah. really not that difficult. So it's more like a traffic light. Now, ultimately, we want to get green lights across eight of them, right? We want to be generalists across business. Uh-huh. Uh, and in order to be a generalist, you know, it means you've got to sit and take counsel from your lawyer, from your accountant, from your HR and and just, you know, be humble that you're not mm-hmm. meant to know everything. But how do you have a conversation if no one's ever given you the questions? Yes. So that's where the beauty of it is. It's you don't have to know everything, but you do need to be aware that you don't know what you don't know. Correct. Had I, had I asked some questions smarter, I think I would have avoided some of the pitfalls that I had, yeah. you know, in my life experience. And so my joy is going in and helping others avoid those same pitfalls that I fell in. Kate, it's a very collaborative process using Coco Matrix. Um, what are the key, why is collaboration so important? And I, and I have to say that from a, a woman's perspective, women in business collaboration can be extraordinarily powerful so from your perspective Kate what are some of the keys um to collaboration yeah look I think I see it as a mountaintop right we all want to collaborate wouldn't it be great if your mother Teresa 
and you're building a legacy <laughs> and you have a community of people that you are going to serve in your life and then leave an influence like she did so well that spurs on other philanthropists, right? So yes. I think the mountaintop that we're explaining, we've always got to be clear that it's, you know, I think every entrepreneur that I meet that's a true collaborator would want to add some philanthropic activity into their week. <sighs> Absolutely. Women women want this. Women love to give back because how do you prove that you've got something? You have to give it, right? Mm. So the only way you know you've got it is you can give it. So I I have time, I can give my time. Mm. If I have money, I can give my money. Now, Mm. the challenge that I see is a lot of people trying to collaborate when they're not up the mountain. They're they're at the bottom of a mountain and they're saying, I want to collaborate, when actually what they need is they need to take Mm-hmm. And so when we go in and we actually are asked to educate people on collaboration, what I have to first educate them in is do they even know what collaboration feels like? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people in teams. Um, I was brought in um, for the Director General for the launch of the Commonwealth Games, which is a big sporting yes. event in between the Olympics for all of the Commonwealth. And um, only 20% of the audience knew what collaboration was defined. Now, we're asking them, state, federal, to collaborate in a local event and none of them had a definition of collaboration. So wow. what, what I recognised was first things first, Let's we're not at the mountaintop, we're actually at the tit for tat, like I need this report, you need to pay me and I need a deadline. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is I've created its 10 keys to collaboration, starting from the base of the mountain, which I think the most important aspect of collaboration is your own self-image. Right? I'm, a, I'm a natural collaborator and what I've learnt over time is not everybody is a natural collaborator. So mm-hmm. if they can't collaborate, we need to force people to cooperate. Ah. And so what I would do is I would build people into teams and have peer-to-peer accountability that you can't get your points unless your entire pod cooperate. And so then what we what we recognise is, let's say, for example, someone says, well, good-hearted, I'm going to achieve something, but their self-image limits them in being able to deliver. Mm-hmm. Their pod has to come in and give over the information for them to cross the line. So mm. I think, you know, some of the keys are you need to look at the people you're trying to collaborate with and assess their self-image. Now, okay. a big self-image as as, um, as an example would be I'm just a mum. Uh. Okay, so we've got, um, you know, an opportunity. I was the um, the head of my school PNF, right, so president of the PNF. We would run these big events, so 1,200 people coming to a show that, you know, all the kids were presenting in. You'd put a committee there and then people wouldn't show up because, well, I'm a mum and I'm not getting paid and this is just a volunteer position, okay? So you have to understand if you're working with volunteers, their self-image is different than if you're working with paid professionals. Mm. And from a collaboration point of view, you've got to define your team and what's going to mean success for that? Um, if, you know, yeah. if it's a fate, well, success for the fate is we get 1,200 people here, they have something to eat, something to drink. Their drink kids and some entertainment and watch the kids. It's not, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and get seven sponsors 
and get the money in the bank and then make it fun, buy everything. You don't have to get people doing annoying tasks. So things like that, very practically, I started using Cocoa Matrix in the non-for-profit space and building yes. communities. And um, and so the collaboration taught me that you can build an incredible leadership team if you can define collaboration and show what it is and demonstrate mm. what it's not and have honest communication around mm. you know what's possible. But they're my two keys. The first is you've got to get your self-image right, but the up yes. the mountain is true collaborators want to give back. Yeah. And if they're not giving back, they're probably further down the mountain in one of those 10 keys. And as we teach it, they start to recognise, mm, I've not got my thinking right. I'm, I think I'm a collaborator, but what I'm doing is demonstrating mm. that I'm not there yet. And mm. that's okay. You're halfway up the mountain. That's better than at the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. But how can we equip our teams to collaborate? We've got to teach them what collaboration is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great, Kate, um, to, that is clarified in my mind the differences between collaboration and um, that understanding that as you grow in business, you can actually start to do different levels of collaboration as you grow and scale. Yeah. And it's an, you don't have to keep staying at that same level. You can actually grow. Your collaborations can actually grow and get a little more complex the bigger you you grow your business. Um, Kate, you and I have had some conversations about women and leadership and um, about the state of women across Australia just recently. I want to talk about leadership in particular and from your experience, what makes a good leader? Look, I think um, from my experience, a good leader can balance their left brain you know, that they have to actually do the things that they need to do legally, mm. logistically, productively with yeah. their right brain, which is get creative about how they're doing it and encourage others to come along the journey. When mm. we see um, females moving into the extreme sort of masculine, left brain kind of leadership style, um, they, they get hammered out there in the marketplace because mm. they're not masculine um, they're not going to gain the respect that they're hoping for in that direction, in that way. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, when women as leaders go too much to the right mm-hmm. and they're too flexible and they're too victim-like and they're too scheming mm-hmm. and begging, then they don't get the love that they're looking for from their community. So mm-hmm. to me it's this fine dance. And so, you know, I've got a whole series, 16 soft workshops to sort of unite the left side of the brain with the right side of the brain and, and the result should be that, hey, you have peace of mind. Yes. Right? When, when you go to bed at night, you lay down, you should feel, ah, oh, like that was a great day. I added value. I achieved my to-do list. I did my exercise. I had my eight glasses of water. I did my affirmations. You know, there's a checklist of things that I know when I've done the hard yards, would I pay myself today? Yes. And then there's other days where I put my head yeah, on the yeah. pillow and I cry and my yes. husband like rubs my head and I'm like, it was a terrible day. Today was yes. a terrible day. I let myself down. I, I'm sick in the head with feeling guilt or frustration yes. or anger or worry. And and he's there just to say, you know what, tomorrow let it go. Be let a better go. day. Yeah. So I think we've good leaders, um, you know, are authentic. Mm. Not every day is a great day. 
No. But if no. we can start to unite and balance that, you know, what I could have, should have, would have done, mm. write it down, get up at 4 a.m. and power through and show up at your team meeting and say, hey, I own it. Yesterday was a challenging day. Damn. I had to face all my shadows. But here mm. I am today. I've been up since 4. I've tackled some stuff. Let's go again. Yeah. And, and leaders can acknowledge that it's not easy. That's why like 1% no. of population try it i mean 99 percent are whinging about their leaders and one percent actually try so trying to do it yeah we've got to unite and collaborate the one percent of really great leaders have to work together to Mm. lift each other and reflect back that it is not easy this is not an easy task yeah kate in thinking about leadership um and knowing and having worked with you uh there's an element of spirituality that is sprinkled through everything you do and I know that from the how I've worked with you I really want to explore that conversation around spirituality and and the feeling of a a higher entity and how that relates to the conversation we're having now and how important it is for leaders business owners entrepreneurs women to have a little focus on something that's outside of them yeah, look, I think it, it stemmed my whole childhood. I had wonderful parents with very strong foundational Christian principles, right? Mm. So I was brought up in a school where it was it was happy days. I went home to happy, loving parents. I have five brothers and sisters. We all genuinely love each other. That's quite rare. Um, so I think it was, it was bought from an identity that I always yes. understood that there, you know, we are here on planet Earth there's some curriculum we've got to get through, but at the end of the day, we're, we're a unit and we're all working for the greater good. Now, at 21, I met my very first mentor. He was the sixth shareholder in Coca-Cola and was an outright atheist. He had all the money in the world, but he had no family, no children, and he paid me, a 21-year-old, to sit by his deathbed and look after him. So, you know, that was the first time that I came across somebody who challenged me around my spirituality and mm. my core beliefs and values. And it, to be honest, it was very uncomfortable. For about seven months, he was a barrister. He was very angry. He was an alcoholic. I refused <sighs> to talk about these topics until such a time that he couldn't die. He was having oh. a real dying and so I challenged him I just said look you know why don't you try it my way what you know I don't I I I think you're missing a big piece of the puzzle where do you think you'd go right and so I started as a 21 year old very Mm. scared talking to a very angry 74 year old and discovered that his wife had died of a poisonous blood transfusion but they had all the money in the world and a medical issue took out the most important person in Mm. his life Prior to that, he was in the World War. He was um, on the front line and he was so scared. He got he pulled some strings and he was able to move into foreign intelligence. So this is a very, very smart man. Yet to me, I could see he was scared. He, he didn't have joy in his life. There was no peace of mind. There was absolutely no hope. And so that's where it sort of, to me, I just started acknowledging that, you know, this was a big piece of my puzzle is I didn't fear death mm. because I didn't believe I go anywhere. I just dial out a different frequency and then I can just talk to you later. 
Um, yeah. We started to really explore that and he was like, so you believe after I die I can talk to you? And I was like, well, I, I don't. I don't know that it's true, but you could test a measure for me. So, you know, we had <laughs> wonderful conversations and I said, and if I'm right, then that's a win for you and it's a win for me. So let's, and he, he started to shift and change. So at, mm. at 75, he finally considered, okay, let's try it your way. And, you know, mm. it's a wonderful end to that story. But he, I said, send me a rose when you cross over to show me that, you know, it's all good, life's great. And, of course, I got that rose and, you know, he was sending me messages via other people. And um, from a very young age I felt convicted that, Mm. you know, people with faith have an easier journey when things get hard because they believe something bigger than them. Now that was backed up with my statistics of the 10,000 businesses and I got access Mm -hmm. to statistics People that had some spirituality backing fared better and made more money. And so, very interesting. I I stood up on stage in front of the top 160 coaches and I told them my theory. I said, I think what's happening is we've got to have a balance between IQ, which is intellect, EQ, which is an emotional Emotional intelligence, and SQ, which is a spiritual quotient. And if Ooh. we could start to blend these three, we could really create some wow results on the planet. Now, I was mm. laughed on stage by the founder, absolutely ridiculed. Oh, no. um, but it was good for me, Tony, because mm. when he ridiculed me, I thought I'm going to not just, like, prove this, I'm going to focus. So for 12 months I just worked with spiritual leaders I only went and coached businesses that I said had a freaky path to them. And so I I entered my family. I entered my husband. I said, we're following a freaky trail. I want to work with every healer, medium, astrologer, Mm -hmm. like take me down this path. And so, um, of course, when they cut my franchise agreements, what do you think happened? I had this community of people. And, you know, there's some really freaky things that happened in that situation. But one was my whole IT shut down because I got an email from a mystic and my IT person, no one could work. And I said, oh, I think it's this guy who's trying to email us. Like literally our whole computer system shut down as I opened his email. And I went and had a session with him. I'd never met him before. He just sent out an email. And from the minute I met him, he said, Kate, This is happening for a reason. It's going to be in your best interest. And he told me my future. And so, you know, I've always kind of understood there's things out of my control because I don't put Mm. the moon up at night and I don't make sure that the tides work. So I'm okay with accepting Mm. things are bigger than me. And that's all I see spirituality is, is people have a hang up on the word God. My husband and I say some greater organised design, like just use it as an acronym there's yeah. a greater organised design at play. I don't understand right here, right now, but if I have faith and I trust and I keep putting value out into the marketplace, I'm sure mm. at some point in the future I'll be able to pinpoint this gift. And that that's where I bring that aspect in. Now, of course, some people are way on one side on the, and they, yes. they're yes. very focused and that's great. I honour their process and others are somewhat in the middle and some are very sceptical and you've got to yes. match and mirror 
the person that you're in front of. So I work mm. just as successfully with people that don't want to go down that path. Mm. Um, Honour their thinking, but from my personal life, mm. I absolutely embrace it because it makes me feel happy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And having been on the other side of the spiritual component that Kate adds to what she does, it it has phenomenal results in terms of resonating with whatever it is you're dealing with in that moment. Uh, it brings another dimension to that whole conversation, which is powerful, I think, anyway. Um, I'd make no... Um, I'm openly saying I believe that there is a force greater than me at play in this world and I do believe that you need to trust to access that that force and that it's always working for your best and you might not feel it at the time because like you Kate I've had some pretty horrible things happen number one the recent flooding in Queensland which completely wiped a whole week out of my my calendar and disrupted my thought pattern and my business life and all of those things but there's a greater reason around that and it's becoming clear what that might mean to us and our lives and and it's actually not something I was conscious of thinking about until this happened. So sometimes the universe has a way to guide you and move you and mould you um, that you don't always see and from my perspective too, I always try and find the good in whatever it is that happens and the 4am the morning after the flood when my husband and I woke up and simultaneously looked at each other and said we can't do this again we can't this is not our forever place and so it started a whole other conversation about where we were going to do what we how we were going to you know live our lives which could have incredibly positive impacts on both of us and family and and all the rest of it the how we do it i'm figuring that'll come as as we go along now back to coco matrix part of what you offer as your part of your services is around a disc profile now a lot of us know what a disc profile is but for the audience that's listening can you explain and then let's have a quick talk about the offer you have for the audience yeah, look, when I did my psychology degree, I um, am the most profiled person on the planet. I love <laughs> I love to think yeah. that, you know, Freud had his theory and then this Carl Jung shows up in Freud's face and says, that's rubbish, mate. Like <laughs> who I am is not dependent on my parents, you know. So I yes. love that whole concept of nature versus nurture. So mm. if you take that into a business context, mm. how you behave at work can be very different to how you behave at home absolutely so what I loved about disc profiling I use the work of Marsden I did target training and um, they give you the raw data so the raw data Mm. takes 10 minutes it shows you how you're acting at work and then it shows you naturally what is your um, default position so we all know that under pressure we default yes. to our pressure, right so you can see this in the data and so I've used this profiling system successfully in recruiting for 25 mm. years I would never recruit somebody that wasn't aligned naturally to their adapted behavior because why would I want someone to act psychopathic under pressure I'm yes. better if I like the person, I'm better to go back to them and say, hey, this profile's showing up, there's something going on. 
Now, Mm -hmm. in my husband's situation, he was born of, um, you know, a mother and father who separated and his stepfather was very different to his stepmother. So he has two versions of himself. And this is what we're going to start seeing on the planet. Lots of children going 50, 50, 50, 50. Now, what was acceptable for his stepmother was a very meticulous, very melancholy, very perfectionist person. Mm. What was acceptable to his stepfather was a completely opposite person. I met a third version when we met at 21 in London. So yes. for me, when 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 I went and, and saw him in his natural environment, so his mum's and his dad's, he was two different people. And I'm like, well, which one is the real one? So what that brought into our cultural conversations in work is to start looking at why we behave the way we behave. So this offer yeah. is $220. I do a full profile debrief with you in terms of, you know, if you could actually let go of that mask and yes. just be naturally who you are and get the thinking around your strengths and just focus on your strengths just for 90 mm-hmm. days, I tell you, it is it is um, a great place to live when you can just show up on the planet, you know, in exactly who you want You're to be. You're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah that's yeah. the session that I love to do. I just, it is an, an absolute um, passion of mine and I'd love yeah. to share that talent with as many people as I can just to get them just on the Thinking. right pathway, feeling, feeling great. Yes, yes. I'm actually pondering, um, I think it should be mandatory for all politicians and leaders across Australia to have this done. Like, wouldn't that be fascinating and well, wouldn't actually, the I'm results working, be interesting? Yeah, and I'm working in government and some yeah. very high-end leaders have all walked out this week. And it's because... Oh, my God really starting to realise that what's the compromise? At what level am I willing to compromise my nature? And if I can't get effective change and I'm, I see the issue in front of me, then I can't withstand the pressure internally. And we mm. all know that empowerment happens inside, right? Does everyone yes. know it's a change? You've got to come back to centre. You've got to come back yes. to your heart and you've got to do what feels right to you. Um, you know, so we're going to see a big shift in authority and that's why we make this such an affordable price for the individual because, you know, so many of This is important. Yeah, this is really, and, you know, it gives you three areas to improve on and I think that's important too. Like we all have these shadow areas that you know Mm. better as a leader. So let's put them on paper and let's describe, like, if people want to get the best out of you, let's give them the script, let's give them the cheat sheet. So it's yep. a one-page cheat sheet to say, if you're going to work with Kate and you're going to get the best out of me, here is me. And yes. when you meet me, why don't you ask about my new puppy? Like, yes. why don't you, you know, these are things that are important to me. And it just gives them a cheat sheet. And, and mm. everyone feels happy if you just follow the That's cheat phenomenal. sheet. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. So that's the offer. It's, it's a disc profile, but we give you the raw data. We give you a one-page cheat sheet and we give you a debrief on and, and question you as to why do you do that? Why do yeah. why when you're angry do you pretend to be optimistic? Yeah. Right? And yeah. why do you Absolutely. anger? Why do you think anger is a bad thing? Why are you judging fear? Why don't you use mm. the fear to drive compliance? Why aren't you yeah. utilising this task-based energy? Why are you judging that? And often it comes from a story and we can see the story, erase the story and, and become the next best version of you. Fantastic. I've actually, I did this process, ooh, for 
20 years ago um, and I can't even remember what, what it was and, and just in open honesty audience I'm actually getting a jump on Kate's um, offer and do this as well because I think it's incredibly important and I'm passionate about change and, and being the best version of myself at all times uh, and so I can't wait to jump on that offer yeah. and take advantage of it as well so audience please make sure you jump on the offer you'll see the link in the comments below and wherever you're watching this interview with Kate you will see the link to get your disc profile done and lead you on a path of living that best life um, Kate is extraordinarily good at this um, I know from personal um, experience but I'm also telling you that she is grounded and has expertise particularly in these areas of um, getting the best out of life and leaders and anyone who wants to lead go do this absolutely now we still have a bit of time and the yep. other thing that I wanted to discuss um, is around gender diversity so number one what is Kate's version of gender diversity? Why is it important? And how far do we have to go before we are living in a gender diverse environment? Look, I think because I grew up with three boys and three girls, so right mm. from the beginning, um, what I gained from my father was different than I gained from my mother, my brothers yeah. and my sisters. Mm. So to me, I've always sorted um, you know, people, my sister would say I go after trouble. That's how she would describe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, think that was, I think that came from, you know, my brothers, they treated me equal. And, yeah. and right from the beginning we were running races and, and doing maths tests and getting grades and I was comparing yes. my report card to my brother's report card. And, you know, having um, elder brothers and sisters helps, mm -hmm. I think, drive talent and because they didn't mince their words you know if I was a sook they'd called me out on that like stop being a sook yeah. you gotta get up what do you think the bully's gonna come here to the house and hurt you like to go back to school and and put on a brave face and don't don't put up with that rubbish and so I from a very young age I sought out solutions to gender problems yeah. um, being a female I probably wasn't aware of how women suffer in this place that didn't mm. have brothers, right? People that mm. didn't have brothers and hadn't had that resilience training as a young girl where I'd cry and they'd be like, suck it up, princess. You're like, you know, this is the reality. <laughs> um, and so when I went into those situations, I didn't feel intimidated. Mm. I, I never had that intimidation. I would walk into boardrooms. I'd often be the only woman at the table and I felt mm. perfectly comfortable because it was mm. just like hanging out with my brother's friends. I didn't have yes. that intimidation but when I experienced some um, uh, sexual abuse, yes. that changed everything. I'd never considered my gender as a disadvantage. Yeah. And I'd never had, you know, that fear. And that was sort of implanted in me that, oh, I see, like women aren't as strong as men. And I don't mean like resilient. I mean physically women are not as strong. Mm -hmm. And that opened up this whole, like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't mm. put myself in situations where I can be in physical harm. Mm. And so I see gender diversity isn't just about having a lot of men and women around you. It's mm. having the right men and women yeah. around you. 
Yes. And what I've always encouraged is, you know, to have as many age brackets as you can. So, you know, let's let's put a, a 12-year-old in a room. In fact, I heard um, Molly Wright speak, an eight-year-old, if, if mm. you're for yes. inspiration, you know, eight-year-old yes. Molly Wright, you largest participant um, TED Talk last year. Yes. I heard her speak for International Women's Day. I cried from beginning to end. She had me in the palm of her hand. She's eight years old. And Mm -hmm. she talked about the importance for showing up. You've got to show up for people. And that's what I think gender diversity is. Um, Women need to show up for other women. And and what I mean by that. They do. They do. Yeah. If a woman's trying to say something, say, hey, Amanda, great like tell me more about that why do you believe so passionate I don't understand like can I and and really collaborate and and get each other's back so does that answer the question I see diversity in age I see it in gender I see it um, with the non-binary community like yeah working in flight center really helped me to see that um you know some of the guys in flight center were the most incredible multitaskers but then we could fly to Thailand and they were the best shoppers ever, right? So I <laughs> without them because they're like, oh, okay, no, don't wear that, wear this colour, wear that colour, wear this colour, wear that colour. And I'm like, oh, my God, why would we ever go shopping again without him? So yeah. I recognise diversity comes with talent. And yes. so my husband and I have tried really hard to see people soul to soul, not mm-hmm. roll to roll. Yeah. And if, if you shed this layer, I'm a soul, Tony, you're a soul. Yes. We happen to have shown up in female attire. Yeah. But, you know, my I'm quite masculine in my leadership style. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got to define gender and get clarity on what diversity means. Yeah. And to me, it yeah. just means a lot of different, a lot of colours and a lot of socioeconomic yeah. and a lot of age groups and a lot of leaning into the conversation. Yeah, I, I have to agree with your passion around this subject, Kate, because we actually need diversity across the planet at the moment. We need the diverse conversations that come from a young gay guy. We need conversations from women that have come from that low socioeconomic where life is just full of trauma and, and hardship. We need those conversations because without them, we don't, we can't make change that impacts at that level. And we need that as humanity right now at this time more than anything else. We need that diversity. Can I share a short story? Yes, please. I was asked to work with the Indigenous community. And so there was, um, I I was uh, really honoured to all of our empowerment programs. Whenever we bought one, we gifted one. So if there was an Indigenous business leader, we would share those empowerment lessons. And one of the ladies was saying that her business was doing really well, but um, her uncle and auntie would come in and strip the business of cash flow. Now, in their culture, you can never disrespect auntie. Yes. So she had this unique challenge. Like I'm Irish, mm. descent, yes. and I'm Irish, but that's where I come from. That would never happen in my business. My fathers and uncles would never come in and take mm. money from my business. And so when I was leaning into that conversation and, and working with those business leaders, I realised this is a much harder conversation for them. You know, we would be inviting them into, you know, standard and, and they couldn't, they can't even get past step one, which is how do I keep the money in the business mm, and honour yeah. my elders 
and that's a that's a violation of values yes and so I it's was important telling, yeah and when I started working with Asian um and uh one lady for example her mother entered um her where her delivery and distribution um dispatch was and entered another business name and stole her supply chain to cut off her business income and then went back into the philippines and slandered her to her own family saying she was greedy and so this is like women in business when we're dealing we're dealing with really not just the soft skills but the betrayal Yes. You know, the, the heartache of you've yes. done everything you can to get this business working and you're starting to have some success and we think the people closest to us should support us. Yeah, uh, but not always. Not always. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a situation with my school friends. Like I heard about this Hate Kate Club and they'd all been part of this Hate Kate Club and I said, well, for how long? And they said, oh, 10 years. They go through <gasps> social media. They pick on you, they slander you, they all collude against you. I mean, this was, these are the girls I met at 12 years of age in an all-girls empowered environment. Wow. And they started a hate, hate club. You know, the interesting process for me, Tony, was to realise I was the president of the hate hate club. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I had to realise that, hey, like, my life is not perfect and I haven't done it all brilliantly, um, mm. but... For me, it was starting to really talk about the bullies and the victims and the challenges that people have on their path and what jealousy and envy will do to people. Can do, yes. And and open up and share these heartaches because as we we share them, we go, you know what? It ceases to have power. Yeah. Ceases to have power. Lots of people, whoever your listeners are, you know, I'm sure there's lots of stories and it's really getting to the point where you don't cry when you tell the story but you... You genuinely you have still compassion. got to tell it. Well, you have compassion for yourself. Yes, that's the difference. That that's what a leader is. It's like don't yeah. don't think the pathway you're taking is going to be all easy, but don't think it all has to be that hard too. Yeah. Like I have yeah. new friends now who are in the Love Kate fan yes. group, and me, I, I'm a Kate oh, fan. Thank you, and I choose to be the president of that club, and I've resigned from the other club. The other. That's okay. You don't have to spend your time with people who don't um, celebrate you. Yeah. Uh, don't go where people tolerate you would be my number one tip to leave people yeah. with. Just stop hanging around people who tolerate you. You can feel it when go someone's tolerating you. you. Just just step away. Just tell them, excuse me, I've got to go and I've got other things to do. And just remove yourself from those toxic environments if you can. Yeah. Obviously, if it's your husband or wife, that's a different <laughs> I am so sorry to interrupt this fantastic conversation we're having, but we are completely out of time. Kate Osborne from Coco Matrix, thank you for sharing the show with me today and empowering and educating us on so many amazing uh, subjects. And that, my friends, is your lot for this week on the Everyday Business Show. Please don't forget to jump on to the site cocomatrix.com forward slash disc and get your profile done today. And we will see you back next week for another Everyday Business Show. Bye for now. Thanks, Tony. want to do it to the best of my ability because if I fail, that means I fail from my entire female nation, I call it. Is that possible? That was the question.